0: Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the fifth edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, Places, events, companies, and so forth that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this special bonus content episode of the Old Ways Podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle, Blood Moon Rising. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight we are bringing you a short look into what the various vampires of San Francisco are doing in the wake of Marcus Voss's rather startling announcement at the end of season one. I'd like to thank my cast for all of their hard work on this episode and uh, well, for the whole season in general, and I'd like to thank all of you, our wonderful listeners, for your support and for your listening ears, and a special thank you to our Patreon backers if you would like to become one of them and give more additional support to the show and also get some fun bonus content and other delightful treats along the way, you can do so at patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. But for now, on with the show. So, Marcus, you have made your grand declaration at the Elysium and major quick exit. Your friends from the Anarchs have left and headed home for the most part. Some of them have declared their intention to go cause havoc down in the Castro whether or not you tell them about the new proprietor of the Castro is up to you, but they're going to have some fun anyway. No plans to. Yeah. I didn't think so. So what are you doing now that things are in motion and you have a little bit of time to yourself?
1: It's been a pretty, it's been a pretty reckless night in some regard. And so I think that all that time riding the wave, all that time, being so close to the beast probably forces Marcus into a mentality where he has to kind of step away from the hum that he left in Elysium and he probably heads to uh, the port of San Francisco proper and to, to walk that rather subtle and quiet space, that boardwalk that exists along the shore there and try to recalculate I think I think he's probably mentally very he's probably very stressed mentally um there's probably still that hum in his ear the there's probably a leftover pressure rise just from that all the blood that circulated tonight Uh, and so he's looking for some sort of peace even if he doesn't find it
0: So you go walking along the water the reflection of the now sinking blood moon rippling in the port there's a bit of a breeze the pressure in your chest and in your ears is beginning to settle you have time to process which for you perhaps is not as welcome as it should be, you think finally about marie and what you're going to have to do you have to replace her you were building something she was becoming important and she's not there anymore and you're going to take a stain for that marcus as that weighs heavily a bit for marcus something that hasn't happened in quite a while and as you're thinking about that you get kind of lost in your thoughts for a moment you hear a low chuckle from behind you and a that was some speech I turn around Mariam is standing there hands in her pockets she tugs the headscarf a little tighter against the wind and she smiles at you powder keg went off good job
1: I'm not sure I I'm not sure thank you is the right word I think, finally, is probably something more akin to what it is. In my mind, it needed to happen. Probably long overdue.
0: Should have happened a long time ago, Marcus. But, well, what's time to us, anyway?
2: That's
1: a great question. It's nice having it behind me. And a lot of other things putting them to bed this evening.
0: Well. I can tell you that uh, the country gangrel will be with you. This room to play in your domain not all going to stay in San Francisco, but uh, many of us like it here in the surrounding areas, all the trees and, well, some of us have been returning to our old haunts. She tilts her head slightly towards the bay
1: Certainly, uh, as I said before, the bay would be a welcome place for those of your clan who choose the um, water over the land. And as I said before, too, Colt Park, as it is within my territory, would be a welcome place if uh, you need to hunt there as well. She nods. I have one other thing for you. It's a little messy, though. Messy? I go into my leather jacket and I pull out a very long piece of, well, tongue.
0: Both of her eyebrows go up.
1: I'm not really one for trophies. But when he died, Luther pulled out his own tongue. Either that or... He was forced to. This is the tongue of a vampire. His name is Lamb. He was directly responsible for Luther's death.
0: She tilts her head. And she has this little predatory smile. Hmm. Lamb. Should have known better than to mess with the lion.
1: <laughs> I smile. He and his pack came back to the city because I had done him he says a uh, a wrong during the war I had dispatched one of his child that said he brought brought war to the the kindred of this city and so in my mind he was already sacrificing them
0: sabbat monsters yes they only bring devastation wherever they go
1: and they brought it here.
0: Mm. Yes, we have heard one of us assisted. Now, uh, we're going to clean that up.
1: I have no doubt.
0: She flashes her fangs. It's being taken care of as we speak. I wouldn't worry about Andrew Green anymore. Not that you were worried, of course, but your Malkavian might have been from what I hear
1: absolutely I'll uh, I'll pass that on to Rom I'm sure that he'll be rather pleased to know that that is buttoned up I extend my hand giving her the bloody tongue
0: she takes it she s- takes a deep inhale breathing in the scent so to speak hmm Very gangrel of you, Marcus. Luther would be proud. Oh. (laughs) She tucks the bloodied tongue into a pocket on her tunic.
1: I'm told he was there. In spirit.
0: Ah, yes. I'm sure he would have been. Mm. Well, Marcus Voss, you have done us a service in avenging our dear friend Luther. He was very well-liked, as I'm sure you're aware. He had many friends and clanmates in both city and country. If you need a favor, you can call on me. And I do not give favors lightly.
1: Understood. I will, uh... I will use it if the situation arises.
0: Hmm. I have no doubt. I trust you to use it wisely. Do we have anything else to discuss? Or did you just want to bring me a
2: tongue?
1: (laughs) I (laughs) kind of raised my hand slightly. No, no, that's quite understandable. I'd like to get a communication channel open between here and Oakland whether that be a series of trusted ghouls or whether that be kindred to be able to pass messages back and forth covertly I don't trust anyone on the camera side here to leave this announcement be mm-hmm. certainly not William Mallet
0: No, I wouldn't either. She arches her back and she lets out this cat-like howl. Only it's louder than any house cat or domesticated cat, but it sounds like a hunting feline. And a pigeon dives down from the sky and into her hand. It's a black pigeon with white spots and it's got green eyes. She catches it in her hands, starts petting it, and it cocks its head and it looks at you, Marcus, and its eyes flash slightly red, just for a split second. And Hmm. Mariam just strokes the bird. Hmm. Communication, you say? She whispers something down at the bird, and it flies over and lands on your shoulder and pecks at your ear. Oh, sorry. Can't quite, uh, ghoul all of their traits out of them, but I do my best.
1: No, certainly not.
0: Mm -hmm. Edgar here will find me anywhere. Oh. Until we set up more sophisticated communication. But, uh, I have told Edgar he is bonded to you for the moment, so he can connect anywhere in my network. I have a few watching Mallet even now.
1: Yes, I have a surprise for William coming someday. It's a long play, but it's an important one.
0: Hmm, I have no doubt. You're quite the planner.
1: Yes, well, uh, I take mostly after my sire in that regard. David always mm-hmm. played the long game, and he was the one, in truth, who... I would say taught the um, taught me to temper the Bruhan, the nature of the blood.
0: It, ah. um,
1: it's proved most useful.
0: Do give David our regards. He's always welcome to hunt with us. It's been some time. So, mm. uh, if he's still seeing Esmeralda, perhaps uh, don't invite her along. <laughs> she snickers. A little too loud for our taste.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if I, if I hear from Esmerella soon myself.
0: Mm. In
1: one fashion or the other.
0: I was watching her during your little speech. She was not happy. But not with you. So, I think you will be hearing soon. Very soon. She's a good one to have. But I like you better.
1: There are those who are meant to um, do what she does best.
0: Well, there will be plenty for her to do in this war that's coming. You know the Camarilla aren't going to leave it. They want a war. They always want a war. It gives them an excuse for all the horrific things they pour out on people.
1: Yes, as I attempted to enlighten my fellow kindred to tonight.
0: You know, Marcus, that vision we had from the Malkavian, forthright, we saw some of this coming. It wasn't just the blood, it wasn't just the screaming, it wasn't just the shadows. You know why we left, Marcus? Marcus. We can handle blood. We can handle just about anything. But we saw splinters, fractures, the city breaking apart. I'm told many of us had different experiences of the vision, but I saw the city exploding, not the way humans do it with bombs and things, it was like glass and it shattered and the white tower shattered with it and that's why we left Marcus because it was falling apart and we don't like to be around when things get crazy
1: there are those of us who are willing to stand in the storm
0: Mm, can't keep us in one place Marcus Voss it's not the gangrel way animals leave when they sense danger especially to the pack and we were all in danger so we all left that is what we do we do not feel guilty or remorse don't feel like we should have stayed half the clan might be dead now like Luther. I have no regrets.
1: I have no regrets for staying. Hmm. Save one.
0: And what would that be?
1: A missed opportunity. Hmm. And an investment of time that has been lost.
0: Well, you have plenty of time to make it up. I'm
1: going to have to make it up awful fast.
0: I believe in you, Marcus. Or, should we say, Baron? She flashes you a wicked smile before literally bounding away amidst the various shipping containers and boxes and other things and disappearing into the shadows.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'd probably just watch her go a little bit and um, look at Edgar <laughs> on my shoulder and say, I suppose we should finish this walk.
0: Edgar coos in your ear and ruffles his feathers a little bit.
1: I'll walk down the rest of the pier here because as I continue on the boardwalk, I'll eventually get back towards some of our piers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I kind of look around and think to myself, right, these are all my piers now.
0: Indeed they are. So you walk down the, down the shoreline along the docks and your senses pick up a few minutes later just a whiff of what can only be another vampire and you look down at the end of the pier and amidst all the smell of sea salt and fish and oil and everything else that you pick up down here you see perched on the end of a pier her back hunched her shoulders down her head leaning forward, holding a bottle in one hand, as far as you can tell what what looks like Jean Valentine, the Seneschal or perhaps the former Seneschal at this point. You've never seen her down in your domain before. She doesn't normally come down this way, but she's sitting at the edge of the pier bottle of something in one hand not making a sound.
1: Oh walk over to her
0: she looks up a bit bleary eyed she still has those dark circles from earlier you know she hasn't slept at least for one day which puts her fairly close to the feral end of things Mm -hmm. she's holding a bottle of blood in one hand she takes a swig from it Marcus some speech you gave back there. It was all that true?
1: Was all what true?
0: Hammer. Assassination. Fake. Blame on those guys. She gestures with a hand off towards the direction of Oakland. Well, you guys now, I guess.
1: It was all true. That's the worst part of it.
0: Fucking Fentry. She takes another swig.
1: They step a little closer. And it probably has to get under your skin just a little, right? I mean, they don't even know how to run a city. That's clear.
0: Don't know how to do fucking anything except fuck up people's lives on lives. Death. Fuck. She stares moodily down at the blurred hint of something that is her only reflection in the water. Stupid fucking venture. Well, May's out. Out? If they got out. Yeah, they're gone. Didn't you hear me back Mm. there? They're gone. Mm -hmm. They left. Disappeared. Two, three nights ago. Just went off. haven't seen them. So I guess they're gone. Unless old Billy fuckwit up there killed them without letting anybody know. Which I wouldn't put it past him.
1: That wasn't the plan, Jean.
0: Either way, they're out of this shit.
1: It wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't to have Billy kill them. The plan was to have... The plan that Billy had was to have the Coterie fake the Prince's death. What? Yes. Were you not listening during the speech?
0: It's hard right now. I'm trying.
1: I step a little closer. Gods. You see, what the prince wanted didn't matter in the end. The meeting that we had with Mal at the last one, Esme was at. Accepting their fate. They were in on it.
0: They gave up?
1: Wholly and completely.
0: You can see Jean's eyes kind of clearing up a little bit. Like they're focusing as much as they possibly can, after all of this sleep deprivation and with the infection raging through their body, or through her body, were they d- dominated?
1: Quite possibly. Mallet's very old and powerful. Kindred, we both know that it's possible oh, that they were dominated. But either way, they had—they had—they were waiting for us to set up a scene to blame the anarchists in Oakland what had happened and when I heard that that was Mallet's plan I refused I walked out I wasn't willing to stage the the prince's death you see this is the problem with someone like William Mallet this is the problem with the white tower
0: you don't gotta convince me Marcus why the fuck do you think I'm here in your whatever you call it Um. I don't remember what you people call it. Um, Domain. Sorry, camera language. Uh, What independents call it. You don't gotta convince me, Marcus, because I fucking hate the Ventru. And you know why I was Seneschal for so many years? Why? Because Esme and I were friends, Mm. and they could trust me. And no other fucking vampires in the fucking white tower with the fucking Camarilla will look twice at Sombre. Which, okay, I kind of understand. But they trusted me, Marcus. I'm not loyal to fucking Camarilla. I was loyal to them. We were friends. And hmm. that's why Luther was so good. It's why I did a good job up until this whole fucking nonsense. Esme picked people. Not affiliation. They didn't care if I was Lissombra. They didn't fucking care. Cam would have kicked me out of my ass. Esme didn't. I don't want to be around with them. They're not going to do anything with me. Except maybe kick me out of the city. San Francisco's my home. I don't want to leave. I don't want to be any part of their bullshit. (laughs) Billshit. (laughs) Huh. She laughs, but it's this kind of hoarse croaking laugh as she takes another swig from the bottle.
1: What we need to do first is get you cleaned up.
0: Baby, Tremere?
1: Mm, Not so much a baby Mm. anymore.
0: Yeah, I saw. He, He must have done some fucked up shit. He looked like a corpse in the worst way.
1: Yes, unfortunately, he's had some very difficult times. I will... Engineer a cleansing for you. I will make that happen.
0: Better hurry. From what I hear, I don't got long once you stop sleeping.
1: Yeah. How long has it been since you've slept?
0: One day. Guessing I'm not going to sleep today either. Probably that not. Would be
1: right. And so. I will ask for three very important things.
0: Of course. Everything comes with a price, because that's how we fucking do it.
1: It's a simple price, really. I have already fulfilled our original agreement, which after you're cleansed, you will make good on. Yes?
0: Yep. If you if, took down that motherfucker, whoever it was, which one? got it.
1: There was a whole group of them. <laughs>
0: I'm sure you got them all.
1: I'm pretty sure we got them all too. There's probably bits and pieces of them left on the home plate in Golden Gate Park. People want to pick through the bashes.
0: <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Okay, so yeah, I'll keep my side of things. I don't break my word. Wouldn't be a good seneschal if I did.
1: I think you can rep- reprise that role with me, but in a slightly different fashion obviously my domain doesn't necessarily have primogen we're not the Camarilla, and so a distinction between that and us will be very important and so we will re-engineer this from the ground up thinking about some we'll say rather old ways of doing things but you'll assist me with the organization of it you will pledge your loyalty In that regard, we've known each other a little while, Gene. I think there is a reasonable amount of due respect between the two of us. It's not necessary to muddy that with any sort of long stage number of favors. I'm not really that sort of kindred. Favors as a system is just another leverage point to work people over with. If someone chooses to give you a favor, that's one thing. But forcing favors from someone is the same kind of vile shit the Camarilla would do to you.
0: You notice she perks up a little bit when you mention that she can do the same kind of role for your domain as she did for the prince. Her shoulders get straighter and she sits up a bit. or She's struggling, but she's definitely perked up a bit.
1: I think in that way, the best bonds between kindred are blood.
0: I thought you might say that
1: but only after you're clean
0: yeah wouldn't wish this one on anyone except fucker William Mallet I wish this on him but the faster one
1: so you and I will agree to we'll say a a bond of sorts yes nothing too stringent nothing too immortal so to speak but an agreement, a trust factor between the two of us. And then the third thing that you will do for me is you will go to work because this end of San Francisco, including the port and all of the communications with those brethren in Oakland will need to be properly chained and organized. I can't communicate with all those people at once. I have it on good authority that the, um, Keeper of Elysium is rather fond of me in certain
0: ways. (laughs) Sebastian, yeah, I can see that.
1: We're going to make Sebastian an offer to move Elysium the next time it's called to one of our ports.
0: You've really thought about all this. I'm impressed.
1: Now, why don't you follow me and Edgar...
0: She blinks as if noticing the bird for the first time.
1: To our friend's home. We're going to need to pick up some resources along the way. And so I'll need you to be in the right frame of mind. Okay?
0: She grasps onto the edge of the pier and pulls herself up. Drains the last of the bottle. Drops it in a recycling bin. We're vampires. We recycle. Right. But she looks at you, she looks a bit steadier, but you can also see behind her eyes the immense effort it's taking to keep herself in control. She says slowly and with great enunciation, I like to work. I'm very good at it. And I think we can do a lot together. I accept.
1: I smile. A rather toothy grin.
0: And so you and Jean, and Edgar depart towards Vince's bungalow to set some things in motion. So, it's been an interesting night, Alex. You've been sitting here at Elysium now for a couple of hours, watching people. It's what you do. It's what you're good at. Marcus and his Anarch friends from Oakland have left, including the entire biker gang of Bruja. And now it's settling down a little bit to the point where you feel like you can talk to people without it being noticed that you're talking to people for a while. It was so busy and so loud. You feel like anyone who was pulled off into a dark corner would be noticed. So you've bided your time. You've waited. Now there's just Sebastian behind the bar talking to someone, maybe one of the the Oakland gang, but you're not quite sure. And then there's still a few Toriadors, still a couple of Bruja, Esmeralda's still prowling around in here looking perturbed. But you, you think you can gather some information now. So what would Alex like to do as they pull themselves out of the shadows?
3: I will probably approach the... Far end of the bar where nobody's at, and wait for Sebastian.
0: Okay, so you go to the edge of the bar. He notices you and he gives you a little wave as he does and finishes up his business before sauntering over. It's the only way to describe how Sebastian moves is sauntering with a drink mm-hmm. in hand. And he drapes one elegantly uh, dressed arm with lace frills. Over your shoulder. Alex, darling, I never thought I'd get you in here. What can I do for you? Well, uh,
3: mostly, uh, I was just seeing how you feel, how this place is going to be after the events.
0: My dear Giovanni, we haven't seen excitement like this in a good 150 years. It's quite exciting. Do you see all the buzz? All the delicious gossip. I'm sure you did. I saw you hiding in the eaves back there, listening with those sharp little Giovanni ears of yours. But, you know, Elysium is Elysium. We are, what do the mortals call it these days? Switzerland? So to speak. We are here and then we're not here. And he points with his thumb out towards the boat where he keeps the majority of the club whenever he doesn't need a big event like this. Mm-hmm. We could be just about anywhere in the Bay Area. And I do mean anywhere. Hmm. Camarilla, Anarch, whatever it is Marcus is going to be calling himself these days, I don't care as long as you pay the bill and don't make a mess on my carpet. And also give me the good gossip, of course. Of
3: course. Speaking of, have you heard anything? How do you think William's going to run the hammer Mm -hmm. oh
0: he's not going to like it well he might like the fact that it happened because you know the ventru they're always wanting their little fingers and things and wanting to start a war with the Anarchs and they haven't Mm. really had a good pretense to move against Oakland recently I wouldn't be surprised if he uses this but he won't be happy that Marcus did it I don't think but uh he leans in close Pats your shoulder. I would uh, keep an eye out on that one. And he slightly tilts his head and you see that there's a very young Toreador all the way across the room. Uh, they're... They look like they were embraced as a teenager. They've got that kind of puppy dog look about them as well of being a fairly y- young neonate sort of vampire. they are Like many of the younger Toreadors, super tight jeans, very flashily dressed, lots of makeup. Uh, That one. Pretty sure he reports to William occasionally, Mm. which a lot of us do. Not me, of course, but a lot of Kindred do whenever the Hammer's in town, just to stay on his good side. But that one... Has been seen going in and out of William's little office building. I wouldn't be surprised if he's there shortly. Giving all the gossip about tonight. And what Mm. delicious gossip it is.
3: What's that one's name?
0: That's Vaughn, darling. Hmm. Used to be an Instagram star or something. Now he pouts all the time because he can't actually use the internet. It's too delicious.
3: Yeah, that's hilarious. Love it. Whoever did that had... Genius just genius yeah okay how old do you think that one is do you think it's pretending
0: hmm I don't think so
3: I mean it's got that like lost look
0: Mm -hmm. yes well you know that a lot of uh, us have died truly died in the last few weeks well not a lot By human standards, I suppose. But in the last few nights, there's been quite a lot of feral, rampaging kindred ripping themselves apart. Yeah,
3: I can see uh, the big guy really made a move to help that one out.
0: Hmm. He gives you a sardonic little smile. That one, Sire, was one of the latest to go. So I'm pretty sure our little Vaughn... Poor baby's only been one of us for 18 months. He's going to need someone to look after him. I'm sure that's Mm. why he's going to Mallet. Looking for a sugar daddy, so to speak.
3: Probably. Can't make it as an Instagram star. You gotta find your money some other way, I guess.
0: Mm. Yes, well, it is a terrifying time. What with rumors of the Sabat being in town and this whatever it is that's making kindred rip themselves limb from limb
3: it's all taken care of now
0: oh well, that's good to know
3: I mean the, the ones that are infected probably still have to ride it out until final death but
0: oh lovely yeah well more space for the club I suppose
3: yeah uh but the sabat has gone I can tell you that
0: Hmm. He smirks. Good thing for you, too, or so I've heard. I had a little bird tell me you weren't looking too hot the other night.
3: Well, it's tiring when you get pulled in several different directions.
0: Well, yes, but uh, it's quite shocking, so I heard for a child of Michael. He sips at his drink.
3: Perhaps. We all hmm. have off nights. Even you've been known to slip in your own drink.
0: Have I? I couldn't possibly say.
3: Exactly. Besides, I am truly, truly tired of playing Mallet's games.
0: He looks you up and down for a moment, just sort of leans back as if he's assessing you. I know your lot don't like my lot. Giovanni but well what was that charming saying keep your friends close keep your sort of enemies closer correct frenemies perhaps do you have anything else oh no darling it's not worth it having anything else your friends will smile at you and stab you in the back while your enemies will just stab you frenemies at least will have the decency to wait until you ask them to right (laughs) so you're not one of them Mm -mm. and he gestures into the main part of San Francisco and you're not really one of them either and he points out towards Oakland so I will tell you of course I will be expecting perhaps some assistance in the future with my little endeavors on this boat I don't particularly care for Mr. Mallet myself. I am truly shocked. Hmm, Yes, I've been around this city quite a while, and I've seen what happens when kindred like him, especially the Ventrue kindred like him, come rolling in, throwing their weight about and thinking like they know everything. And that they're in charge. And I don't think whatever Ventrue puppet he plans to install will be quite happy. To allow good kindred like yourself and some others in town and your little temple to remain as they are. So let's just say we have a common interest. And you know, I do. Inspects his fingernails. I do have eyes and ears on neutral ground. You will have to respect my territory, of course, but I could pass you some things every now and then in our mutual interest.
3: I always have and always will respect Elysium. Mm. Your place is my place, and if you've seen my place, well,
0: You respect it so much you choose not to darken its doors.
3: I haven't had much reason to be here, and with the mix-up and the chaos that's been going on, uh, this wasn't necessarily the place I wanted to be. Plus, people were trying to cash in boons that they had no business doing anyways.
0: So. Oh, really? Now that sounds fascinating. You must tell me about that over a drink sometime. Well, the other
3: interesting thing, though, I will tell you. What venture puppet is he gonna find? Felix is
0: dead. My dear, we're all expecting Juanita Martinez, the primogen.
3: Oh, right. Felix was just the
0: whip. And knowing Felix, he probably would have started feeling an urge to go hang out with some friends in the Middle East fairly shortly. You know how that's going with the older ones.
3: Such a waste of time.
0: Yes, well, they don't seem able to resist. I do hope all that nonsense is over. By the time I'm their age... Sand, terrible for my complexion.
3: Terrible for the clothes. Also, yeah, I just... I'm getting concerned with how young the city is becoming.
0: Yes, as much as I may understand that the way the older ones tend to keep things exactly the way they always have been is not quite beneficial for any of us. Having a bunch of children running a city is not beneficial either. Mm. Have you heard about the recent masquerade breaches? What? Which ones? The crazy feral
3: vampires? or?
0: Well, yes. A couple of the younger ones getting infected and running out on the street and causing havoc, but also things like well, there's been some bodies found around a local hospital, for example, drained of blood. And then, of course, you hear about uh, the Crawler of San Francisco, or the Beast of the Bay, depending on mm-hmm. which tabloid you read. Mm-hmm. Some horrific thing crawling up out of the water and ripping innocent tourists apart. While allowing them to call 911 at the same time. That sort of thing. It must be the children. We can't have that. Second Inquisition is always waiting, lurking. Well,
3: hopefully things will get back in line, considering uh, we got rid of the chaos inducing madness. I mean, there's probably still some infected out there, but. Are you sure?
0: I saw Rom in here just a few minutes ago.
3: Uh, Oh, Rom. He's good. He's good, Kindred.
0: Mm. He seems like a decent child. Despite his sire.
3: I don't really know his sire, but... I do say that we turn this city into... Constantinople. Mm. And make it beautiful again. You know, when the Toreador ran around and did their art things until they didn't, but...
0: Now, now. Stirring up old blood might make us hungry. Can't have that.
3: <laughs> there's there's no proof to say who did it, but doesn't mean we can't try and get back there.
0: No. Although, I do wonder what we're going to end up more like you talking about Constantinople Marcus's lot talking about Carthage they're pretty similar that's interesting but I think our goals are fairly similar Alex Giovanni and I would rather keep you close so I can keep an eye on you than wait for you to sneak up and plant a dagger in my back so to speak
3: oh I wouldn't do it personally
0: oh no I know you wouldn't that's not really your style you do have good style, I appreciated. Well, and I don't want to get blood on the clothes. Mm. Too expensive. Very difficult to get out. And even once you get it out, you always know it's there.
3: Well, how about this? I promise I'll be by once a week.
0: Very well. We never have Hakata here. Having one of you around occasionally will really boost the status of the place.
3: I do have connections.
0: Oh, Yes. Believe me, I know. Why do you think I've been trying to get you in here for so long?
3: Well, I will be here. And I will make myself seen.
0: Well, my dear, you deserve to be seen. He just sort of does a grand (laughs) gesture at your suit. One cannot hide such elegance for long. It's true. So, you will occasionally visit... Me at the Vampire Club, wherever we happen to be any particular week, may not always be in the same place. You know, mobility, that sort of thing. Well, you gotta
3: keep it interesting, too. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Otherwise, one would get bored being in one place for 150 years. Don't know how Esme stood it, being in the labyrinth that long. So, very well. You will occasionally visit I will bring you whatever I hear as I flit about the crowds on a nightly basis. And we will see what we can do to keep the children and the elders from ruining everything. Deal? Deal. Cheers. (laughs) He lifts his glass and drains it.
3: Yeah. Then I will uh, nod to him and let him get about his business and I will uh, then for the rest of the evening sit out in the open and talk to probably people I don't want to but you know put on a good show.
0: And that's where we will leave Alex for season one at least. Their listening ears and their watchful eyes and a new not a little bird but a hawk Let's say watching over their shoulder. It is about 3.30 in the morning on November 8th. And there haven't been any explosions. The city is still standing. So theoretically, that means things went well. So Hmm. where would William be at about 3, 3 3.30 in the morning? with just a few hours to go until sunrise.
2: I imagine catching up with some work because there is a lot still to be done with preparing for the change of management in San Francisco. And... William is the kind of man who likes to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. And so he'll be going through paperwork and intelligence reports and all the mundane stuff, sitting there in the boardroom, just surrounded by piles, fairly neatly stacked piles of paperwork.
0: Excellent. So you sit there working. You've had some reports of some interesting Activity down in the Castro district. You're not really sure what to make of it, uh, but there's been some odd sightings in that area of strangely malformed humans. And it, it's a little strange. You're not quite sure what to do with that at the moment. You've also heard that a couple nights ago, there was something that happened at the Park Library, the oldest library in San Francisco. There was a lot of mess and some fire. So probably need to look Hmm. into those things at some point. But there is a knock on your door. Yes. Sophie pokes her head in and she looks a little anxious. She doesn't normally look anxious. She's usually very well composed and put together, but she definitely looks nervous and she says, uh, uh Monsieur Mallet, uh, I have some news.
2: Uh, yes. She,
0: she comes in, shuts the door. She stands there. She, her knuckles are turning white. She's holding her hands so tightly. There was, um, uh, an incident at, uh, Elysium, which you know to be the Vampire Club. Uh, well... <sighs> I don't know how to say this, but uh the Marquis Voss. Uh he came in uh with some friends from Auckland.
2: Oh dear and uh
0: him declared independence.
2: I'm sorry. When do you say he declared independence? Do you mean purely for himself or Was this meant to have a wider remit? Uh,
0: She looks at some notes that she's got scribbled on a piece of paper. Uh, Well, he said he was uh, declaring the port uh, his. And um, that the port of San Francisco is the independent and his control and Hmm. that it would not be subject to the Camarilla. That is uh, not all. He Hmm. also uh, announced to the whole assembly, uh, the sheriff was there, the Seneschal, many of the Clan Torridor, lots of, of kindred were there. He announced that You had asked him and his coterie to uh, pretend to murder the prince.
2: Well, that's unfortunate.
0: To fake an assassination. He told the whole room. And now it is all over San Francisco.
2: Oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear.
0: And Hmm. uh, the prince is nowhere to be found. They are gone.
2: Oh, well. I suppose the important thing is that the prince is gone, and we were rather expecting the Anarchs to tip their hand at some stage. This is not entirely unexpected. I must admit it's a bit more brazen than I'd anticipated, but still not an unmanageable situation. And the good thing about brash actions like this is that it brings our enemies out into the open where we can see them. It stops becoming a guessing game and starts just becoming a matter of management.
0: Yes, uh, we... uh, It is the talk of the town. Mm. And uh, there is a lot of uh, discussion. Um, The gangrel have gone with him. The city and the country gangrel have gone with Marcus. Now it is They are calling him uh, Berlin Voss.
2: Hmm. Well, I think it is very generous of Mr. Voss to make himself a figurehead like this, or is a figurehead the right word? I'm... A lightning rod, I think, yes. That he is going to become a focus for an awful lot of energy that was seeking somewhere to strike.
0: Uh, What uh, would you like me to do? Uh, Is there anything I should be taking care of? Uh, Yes. There there uh, is a lot of talk in the city.
2: Oh, and I'm sure there will be for some time. There is... um, If there is anything that defines kindred apart from our hungers, it is our capacity for gossip. So, that's to be expected. But I think in the short term... Yes, let's put through a call to Chicago. I think... It's time we brought in some help.
0: Oui, monsieur. Uh, It is closer to sunrise for Chicago, so it might have to be tomorrow night.
2: Let's try for now.
0: Oui, monsieur. And she goes back to her desk. And it leaves you for a few minutes just to think about things. What, what is going through William's head as he's processing all of this news?
2: Well, William's two main goals were to get rid of an unfit prince and to demonize the Anax. And as far as William's concerned... Mr. Voss has just managed both of those things admirably. so, I think, everything's working out really rather well. Once we deal with the Voss problem, then everything will be ideal.
0: Excellent. So you are thinking about this and all of your little pieces are coming together, perhaps in a slightly different way than you expected, but they're coming together. And... There's another knock on your door <laughs> and uh Sophie opens it and says Um apologies, monsieur uh there is a package for you. There is nothing um explosive or anything. I did the the scans. Uh would you like to see it?
2: Uh where did this package come from?
0: She looks at a note in her hands it's uh comes from it just says uh frank i don't know any frank
2: ah well let's assume this is going to be some sort of ham-fisted threat i imagine hmm let's see if someone were trying to make a threat would it be the right size for say a head She opens
0: the door wider, and you can see it's a larger crate. It's not uh, head-shaped or sized. It's much larger.
2: Hmm. Very well. Let's take a look and see what games we're playing today, then.
0: So uh, your bodyguard stops you. And she goes and she opens the crate, just pulling off the lid. And she jumps back as something moves. And you see these massive wings unfolding from inside the crate. And you, you it's almost a blink and you miss it. It's, it's so fast, it's suddenly on your wall. It looks like massive death's head moth wings stretching, stretching, stretching across your boardroom wall. But it looks like they've been... It looks like flesh, those wings. It's not... You know, what you would expect from a, a moth that kind of light delicate texture someone has crafted flesh and mm-hmm. skin to look like death's head moth wings and in the center there's a cage of, it looks like a rib cage around the body of a of the moth and it's an actual bone rib cage that creaks open and in the center of the moth you see this death's head but it's a real face. And you see the face of Juanita Martinez, the Ventru Primogen, in a rictus of death, looking back at you. And this moth just starts clambering up the walls.
2: Well, that was a bit more theatrical than I was expecting, but, yes, I have to credit their theatricality. If, not their unpredictability.
0: So, you know, there is no way a Bruha did this. There's only Yast. one clan. There's only one yeah. clan that has this kind of skill.
2: crafting ability, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So, there's a Zimitsi loose in your town somewhere. A Zemitzi you didn't know was
2: here. And I assume that that means they're Sabbat.
0: Well, you did. Ha- the coterie did tell you the sabat was in town. At your last oh. meeting, they were hunting a, a sabat pack. So, mm. entirely possible.
2: Ah, oh, well, things have got a bit more complicated, but still not unmanageable. The first thing is going to be to try to find a new prints.
0: And I think we'll leave William for the moment, pondering this massive flesh-crafted death's head moth as he tries to figure out who the fuck is going to take over the princedom from here. So now we're going to have a look at our no longer baby vampire, Vince. See what Vince is getting up to now, considering the events of the last few nights. So, Vince, you have left Elysium after Marcus's declaration and you have thrown in your lot with his for the moment and you know you're going in that direction. But for now, you have some other things to think about and you're feeling a bit odd after your diablerie of Zachariah a couple of nights ago and it's just... Everything in your head is confused, and you feel numb, and you feel cold. So you're at home now. You kind of wandered home after Elysium. You could have asked for a ride from Alex, maybe, but without even thinking about it, you just started walking in the cold early morning hours. And you weren't even thinking as you were walking home. You were just kind of there. It, it was almost, almost like one moment you were at Elysium, and then an hour later you're at home, and you don't quite, quite remember the walk. You don't feel like yourself, Vince, and you don't know if you ever will again. At this point, but you know there's some things that you have to do now because you're not the you're not the man, you're not the vampire you used to be. So what are you doing, Vince?
4: Vince is sitting down and he's... There's a letter pad in the, in the library and he's going to take it out and just start, start writing. Puts in the address at the top because he was taught how to write a formal letter and goddammit, he's going to do what he was taught. To whom it may concern, I am tendering my resignation as a, a nurse at this facility effective immediately I have been I have encountered changes in my life which make me unable to continue in the position and he just kind of stops and looks up looks to, looks out the library door into the hall he can't see it but he's looking through the wall <laughs> at the door to the basement the position has become untenable due to my personal circumstances, and I find myself unable to perform the what is required of me. Apologies for the short notice. Kindest regards. Vincent Markovich. That's all it needs to say. He just signs.
0: So you write this letter of resignation. You don't even bother to proofread it or go back over it. You just finish it and you set it aside you're done you're not going back there you're not even going to see any of those people again they don't mean anything anymore and some small part of you doesn't want to be reminded of how little they mean to you anymore so you set this letter aside send it off and you sit there in your library for a moment and then a book comes flying at your head
4: it's just a thunk as it hits home.
0: It's <laughs> yes. a soft
4: one. But uh, it turns and picks it up from the floor, sits back down. It's like, I'm sorry about that, Mina. Um, I, uh, busy night. Real, real busy.
0: There is a cold feeling in this room a physical coldness, not like the emptiness you feel inside right now. It's like the temperature in here just dropped 8 degrees. And the book doesn't flip open the way it does when Mina wants you to read to her. The pages start turning in all of the books that you have open around this room. The the books that you're using for your research, everything. It's it's like there's a breeze. And you feel something staticky in the air. And you start to see in this room in front of you a sort of hazy outline of a figure. And you see what looks like a woman in late 19th century dress. She's wearing this dress with big, uh, a big skirt and petticoats and tightly corseted lace around the neck and around the wrists everything covered, hair piled up in a bun, cameo brooch and you can't quite see colors or anything, it's more of a sort of hazy outline with with a few details but you can see these eyes these piercing eyes that are looking at you and you can feel raw emotion it's like a thunderstorm, and a tornado and a tsunami all rolled into one like just the sheer force of emotion that is rolling off this sort of ghostly figure and she's looking at you and you know it's taking immense will for her to hold herself together in this form you don't even know how she's doing it you shouldn't be able to see her but she is. And she's looking at you with this grief and pain and disappointment on her face. And she says, in a voice you've never heard, you're broken, Vince. What did you do?
4: And uh, when she says the words, his shoulders visibly sag. He's just he hasn't wanted to admit that all night um he's kind of felt it since yesterday but he hasn't wanted to admit this to himself to anybody I uh I avenged Karen
0: there's poison in you G puts a flickering hand up to her chest where her heart should be it's hurting me it's hurting me
4: And uh, that is really upsetting for Vince, considering how he helping Mina was a big part of why he was able to perform the ritual to purify his own blood, because of how it was affecting her. So he's just like, I didn't know this would happen. I'm sorry.
0: She just shakes her head. I don't know if I'll see you again. This is all I've got left. And the vision of this sort of ghostly figure begins to fracture. It's It looks to you like black lines running through this ghostly apparition and the pieces fracture. And it's she looks like she's physically trying to hold herself together, but she can't. And these black lines just sort of suck all of that bluish haze into a void and the apparition disappears and you hear just this last vestige of this ghostly voice as she disappears saying I trusted you before it goes away
4: Vince is distraught um, while humans no longer really matter thought Mina would always be a companion that uh, you know as long as he was in the house he could talk to her and uh, that is so her her not being able to manifest at the moment is deeply upsetting but also the fact that he violated her trust in a way uh, that he hadn't even thought of (laughs) to some extent that's devastating because Vince is now looking at himself where once he could say I am a decent person maybe not the best still decent Vince from what (laughs) folks in the coterie have been saying and just what Mina has said especially he knows he's a fucking monster he he can't reconcile who he is and what he has done with who he was a couple of weeks ago This is real ego death for Vince. Really dealing with the loss of self. And all he can do is just sit there and say, Nina, I'm so sorry. I'm going to figure out how to make you better. And then, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make you better, I promise. Just like last time. I won't... I won't sacrifice anyone else. That's not... I don't think that's gonna help. I'm gonna have to change. I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if there's any going back from what I've done. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and go back. I don't wanna be... this anymore. I didn't know what it was gonna be. I didn't know... what it was gonna take I don't want to be this anymore, and uh, yeah, Vince is just going to cry, <laughs> sitting in his chair, alone in his library, tears just, just running down his cheeks.
0: And we'll leave Vince there, having this moment of realization, and we'll see if he's able to bring himself back in season two. So let's turn our camera over to Rom our beloved Malkavian shaman. Rom, it's been a couple of nights for you since the events of the Blood Moon and Lamb and all of the chaos that ensued there. And then, of course, Marcus's speech at Elysium. So what I'd like to know is what Rom is doing now that he's had a couple of nights to process and he knows what his next steps maybe should be. Where are you currently? What are you doing?
5: Uh, Rom has been packing U-Haul boxes. Rom is... been on... uh, Rom probably should not be on Craigslist. Um, But Rom... Rom has been trying to find a solution to a problem. And that problem is, is now... Thanks to Marcus, uh, a problem with uh, security, specifically for him and his goals and his aims, but also in a way that might help. Um, so, so Rom has a, a has a, a good sized nest egg sp- saved up, and Rom has decided uh, to go boat shopping. Rom wants a boat.
0: Excellent. That sounds like a marvelous plan, considering you're going to be living down at the docks for a while now.
5: Oh, yes. So many Connex boxes. It's
0: be so great. many. All right. So you called <laughs> up your sire when you first made this decision and you didn't tell him exactly what you were planning. You just said you wanted to buy a yacht and that probably you- made him proud. He, he got very excited about the fact that you were going to do something rich and foolish and expensive because that's what he's been trying to get you to do for the last 20 years. So he more than happily gave you the contact information and a reference to his personal yacht buyer, Audrey. She has worked with him in buying various yachts, boats fishing equipment, things that he absolutely never uses and doesn't need but make him feel powerful for the last 30 years or so. And he says that she'll be able to assist you in getting exactly what you need, whatever it is. And that he'll happily co-sign a loan for you if you should need it, since he's very proud of you.
5: Oh, definitely. I've got, I got like some cash, like down payment cash, but it's not like, you know, I'm not going to Bezos this.
0: No. And you're not going to Elon Musk this either.
5: No, 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 no. We're looking for... Uh, <laughs> we can't do the top 0% 1%. We're just going for the top 1% vote here. Excellent.
0: So Audrey is another Malkavian, which makes things very easily accessible for you. You don't have to use Eric or one of your other ghouls. Sorry, tribe members. As an intermediary to buy a boat during the day, you can go at night. So you finish packing up a box and hand it off to Nora, one of your other ghouls. She starts putting it off to the side with some of your other boxes and you set off down to the docks actually down to the wharf to buy a boat. Oh good. So, yes, be
5: careful There's there's glass in those boxes. Lots of glassware.
0: Don't worry, Master Rom. I've moved boxes before.
5: So what do I? What do we see at the dock?
0: Okay, so you get down to this private fancy wharf. It's one of those rich people wharfs where there's a mile long waiting list to be able to dock your boat there, and you basically only get in if someone dies, because they never leave the wharf with their. That's fancy not boats.
5: as hard as you'd think it would be waiting for Um, somebody to die.
0: Except, you know, half of them are probably vampires. A lot of Ventrue down here, so it might take a little bit longer than you would expect. But you see a tall, curvy woman with curly brown hair neatly pinned up in a bun. She's wearing a pantsuit, and she's holding a card in her hand, and she's just standing there waiting for you. And she looks up and goes, Ah, uh, Rom. This Benjamin told me to expect you. What are you looking for? How can I help you this evening?
5: Oh, fantastic. You said, uh, um, Aubrey? Audrey? What what'd you say?
0: Audrey. Thank Audrey.
5: you. Audrey. Audrey. A- A-U-D-R-E. Okay, um... Rom's not great at spelling. Yes. I am, as I'm assuming most of your clientele, looking for a bit of security. And I just was l- hoping um, we need something that's seaworthy. Lots of bedroom space. All right. Now, fancy is not necessarily, you know... Uh, look, I know I, yachts are fancy, but, like, you know, I don't need, like, gold leaf on anything right here. This is going to be... Uh, this is a project boat, you know. That's what I'm looking so you, for.
0: You don't want the gold-plated toilet model, got it?
5: Yeah, no, we're good. We don't need. We yeah. Um, I mean,
0: we don't do you, need those anyway.
5: Did you? Yeah, I was gonna. I'm looking at. Do Do you sit on? Don't,
0: don't you have humans?
5: Actually, it's fantastic that you brought that up because the answer is many.
0: So perhaps we'd better go inside and have a, a look at some of our models then. She gives you a look up and down, like you see a slight disapproving quirk at her eye, at the way you're dressed. Because you don't look like the sort of rich, wealthy person who comes to buy a yacht from from her business, but well, Benjamin vouched for you. So she leads you into her office, it's spacious, no windows very well-appointed, very comfortable. And she sits you down in a chair next to the desk, and she starts handing you brochures.
5: And I'm just going to start leafing through those.
0: Uh, She starts explaining all the different models and what they can do. How large are you thinking? You mentioned you have a a lot of humans. How many is a lot? Your herd, I assume?
5: Yes, so we have... um... And I just kind of look into Audrey's eyes and that's when like Rom realizes that maybe not all of the information is you like maybe maybe sharing every piece of information is not the best idea because Rom is learning, Mom is learning lessons. Audrey, and he, he says, this isn't just about herds. You know, m- maybe I'm entertaining as well. So, um, and he just kind of like, goes through like the the pocket in the front of his hoodie and everything and he's like and he pulls out like a sheet of paper and he's like I think you know uh, at least a dozen rooms is gonna be necessary for this Um, we can't go any lower than that and uh, and enough of them shall be mortals Uh, enough that we will need some bathroom spaces and some kitchen spaces and all of that, all of that good stuff. Also, uh, a really good sound system.
0: Well, of course, and anything can be modified as well to suit your individual needs. And she goes, she looks at the brochures that you're flipping through and she removes several of them and leaves you with two. And... Uh, You can look at our X-Series here, or perhaps the GV-7. Uh, The X-Series will have 16 bedrooms, which should be more than enough for the kind of entertaining you want to do. The G-7 series has 11.
5: Got it. Is that a hot
0: tub? Yes, we do have uh, hot tubs and barbecues on all of our luxury yachts.
5: Oh, fantastic. You might
0: not want to get too close to the latter one, but your humans will enjoy it.
5: Absolutely. No, um, let's, yeah, I want this one. And Rom points at the X-Series and is like, this, holy shit, it has a helipad. I want this one.
0: Will you be needing the helipad? We can always have it renovated into something else if you prefer.
5: It's always nice to have the option.
0: I like the way you think. I can see why Benjamin sent you to me. And she smiles, a genuine smile this time, now that it looks like you're going to actually be a customer and not just pulling her leg. No, absolutely. And so she takes out a ledger and starts filling in some details. So we're going to require a down payment. Uh, Would you prefer a brand new, customized just for you, or perhaps a used model? We do have some of those refurbished is what we like to call them
5: I'm looking for something a little more I think we're gonna look at the refurbished models and the reason is you know low profile that's the name of this game right a little a little rust a little you know you're not trying to stand out too much you know amongst the crowd so... she looks
0: horrified when you say rust.
5: I bet she does. Refurbished will be fine.
0: Well, we do have one uh, that we just took repossession of. It used to belong to Ozzy, so there might be some wear and tear, considering his proclivities, but uh, it should suit your needs just fine.
5: Oh, good. Good, 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 good.
0: It might be haunted. Is that all right? I can give you a discount for the ghosts.
5: Uh, I have my own ghost busters. No, I have my own ghost uh people, you know. So that'll be that'll be fine. That'll Excellent. I'll be okay.
0: Excellent. So she helps you set up the arrangements for the down payment and for a loan that Benjamin will co-sign with you. He's already offered to do that. And she essentially tells you that you can on completion of the paperwork and the down payment, your boat will be ready by next week. And she gives you a location uh, at the wharf for you to meet her in a week.
5: Fantastic. I have a couple of um, I have a couple of connexes I need to move over anyways. So, hey! Use for that helipad. Fantastic. Alright. Thank you so much. You, you've you just been an absolute doll. You're fantastic. Ah, Okay one thing off of the list.
0: So, Rom is now in possession, soon to be possession, of a boat that also is possessed, apparently. But, you know, the price you pay for a cheaper boat. But you will have a yacht that is a decent size and is seaworthy, so if you need to escape San Francisco for some reason, or you just feel like wandering around the world, you will be able to do so. So we will leave Rom there for the moment and see how his boat ride works out for him in the future. So let us now turn the spotlight onto one Katerina Bogdanovich. So Katerina, it is a couple nights after the Blood Moon and the events at Golden Gate Park and Marcus's declaration at Elysium and his little discussion with you. So, I know Katerina has some business she needed to take care of. So, what are you doing this evening? What is Katerina up to?
6: Well, the biggest thing this evening is going to the farm with some help. So, probably one of the connections that I have are police on the force that work at night. And... I'm going to require some support for any, you know, potential uprising in the farm. Quite. So
0: you bring Vince along with you for his healing skills and, well, anyway, his healing skills in this particular matter. And also just to make sure things don't go horribly, horribly wrong for you. Well, any more than they already have at the farm. Right. So you arrive at the farm There's no lookouts other than the one that you've had posted, someone you know is clean. For the last week and a half or so that you've had everyone in quarantine and they just nod at you
6: and just grimace a little bit like it's not great, Katerina. I have no doubt it's going to be bad in there. I did kind of shut everyone in there with no cell phones and no way to really communicate to try to maybe escape if they got too scared of what was going on and that was on purpose
0: so your guard goes through the complicated process of unlocking the door and well you had had it reinforced right to make sure no one got out and you and Vince and your bodyguards can go down into the basement portion of this abandoned warehouse where you used to keep your farm and even before you get down to the bottom of the staircase you smell the blood everywhere it is overpowering to you with your vampiric senses even Vince has to sort of turn his head and gag a little bit and Vince isn't
6: bothered by much anymore but it is heavy down here just for safety purposes I'm going to have one of my bodyguards kind of lead the way I know that they're not going to know the layout of this very much and I will give directions accordingly but I know I had them all locked in a small area but it wasn't with reinforced doors out of that so it doesn't surprise me that there would be the smell of blood just walking in
0: So, your bodyguard leads the way. Do you have him open
6: the door for you? Go in ahead of you? Oh, yeah, no, he's going in ahead of me. And I'm prepared for using majesty if I need to, to kind of...
0: Cow everyone?
6: Yeah. So,
0: it's dark. It's actually fairly quiet, other than the scent of blood, which is overpowering a lot of all of your other senses but you don't hear a whole lot of fighting or growling or anything but your bodyguard unlocks the door very carefully and goes in ahead of you turns on the light and there are bodies everywhere spread across the floor There's blood dripping from almost every surface. There are multiple tongues that you see scattered across the floor and the furniture as these infected vampires eventually got to the
6: point where they just tore themselves apart. So walking into the room, it's going to (laughs) hit me very hard what I've done to... Everyone down here. It's not an easy. It was not an easy decision to make in the first place. But the aftermath is a little harder to look at.
0: A hand reaches out and grabs your wrist, Katerina. And this arm has been reaching out from behind an overturned couch that's sort of pushed up into a corner, providing some sort of sanctuary or cover. You see Cora's emaciated hand
6: gripping onto your wrist for dear life. I'm going to have the bodyguards move the couch and I will kneel down. Oh, dear Cora.
0: She doesn't look very well, but she's alive. She's got dark, dark circles under her eyes, the way you did on your second night of not sleeping she's got blood around her mouth splattered all over her clothes it must have been hard to avoid in this situation and considering there wasn't much of a food source you wouldn't be surprised if she fed on some of the other vampires to keep herself alive yeah katerina lucy's gone she was the first one to go it was horrible She just started screaming and she attacked me and it was like she wasn't herself anymore. She ripped her own tongue out, Katerina. And then she pulled her heart out and crushed it in front of everyone. And then the others went.
6: I'm so sorry.
0: It's just me now. Just all the craziness and the screaming and they stopped sleeping stopped sleeping and they all started and they were attacking each other and some of them didn't even have the chance to get to where they weren't sleeping because the ones who weren't tore them apart just ripped them to pieces i've been down here for three nights days by myself all alone
6: i'm so sorry my
0: she pulls herself up to a seated position hunching up against the wall her eyes are haunted she looks like she's lost something of herself down here I'm not sleeping either I don't want to go like that Katarina don't let me go like that
6: well I have a very important question to ask you then there is a cure but you must be willing to have a Tremere do a ritual for you and I know how hard it is for most kindred to trust anyone from that clan
0: she starts shaking her head violently no no I, I can't go like this I, I can't go like this I'll do whatever he wants I I, I can't go like Lucy and, and the others
6: I understand and I'll Motion to Vince, right? And have him help me comfort her a little bit, mm-hmm. just to reassure her that she can, in fact, be healed. So Vince starts setting up
0: his equipment, the little bit that he needs for his ritual circle and, and all of that. And Cora is just crying into your shoulder. You've never seen her like this. She's usually very poised and calm and collected. She's stable, the foundation of your own sanity. And you're gonna take a stain, Katerina, from all of this. As you know that even if what you did was necessary, it was horrible. And not only did it mean that Lucy died, It meant that it broke something in Korra, your long-term best friend, too. And so you're going to take a stain for that. Yeah. So one of your bodyguards goes out once they've made sure that there's no threats in the room or the rest of the warehouse. He comes back with a human. They've knocked them out. They're unconscious. They won't feel a thing. He looks at you and just
6: says, Clean. Clean no drugs thank you and I will use awe just to make sure that they are (laughs) relaxed in my presence and guide them to wherever Vince needs them to be and I will stay in Cora's eye line so that she knows I'm still here I'm not going to abandon her again.
0: Vince helps Cora through the ritual. It takes her a little time, a little more time than you, because even though she's starving and even though she hasn't slept and she's moved almost into this feral state, it's been tempered by all of the horror that she's been through. And so she's tremulous and shaking and and uncertain. Vince helps her get through and she constantly looks back at you as if to reassure herself that you're still there. And when she finishes drinking the drinking the purified vitae after it's been cycled through this human, she curls up in the circle and Vince says something to her and she immediately falls asleep. It's difficult for vampires to sleep during the night but whatever he said to her put her right into a slumber. And your bodyguards look at you and ask if they should pick her up and and carry her somewhere for you.
6: Yeah, I'm going to have them carry her into my haven because I have enough everything set up so that no sunlight gets into the haven. So even if she wakes up during the day She won't be at risk of anything.
0: So you have Cora taken to your haven where she can sleep it off. Hopefully wake up at least physically cured, if not mentally or emotionally. But you're going to have to do something about the mess here.
6: Well, and I don't have a cleaning crew because this is not usually an issue. So I'm going to have to look through (laughs) all the records of people that have been a customer of the bakery and see if there's anyone that I would specifically know either is a cleaner or has the ability to get a group of people together for it.
0: You know, Marcus has access to underground cleaning crews who are used to dealing with lots of blood and unsavory situations. You know, he called them to clean up Karen's home After her death and
6: the library after your encounter with Zachariah. Yeah, there's enough processing that I have to do as far as Marcus is concerned already that I don't potentially want to owe a favor. I want to, especially since I feel like this is my fault, so I should be the one that takes care of all the arrangements for it.
0: All right. So, we'll say you're able to find someone, it takes you a little bit of time, but you have contacts across multiple clans, and you are able to get in touch with someone fairly high up in vampire society who doesn't know about, well, all of the things that are going on, at least not yet. They know about Marcus and his independence declaration, but they don't know that you're affiliated with him, not yet. So they arrange for a crew, not just to help you
6: out, but because this would be a horrific breach of the masquerade. Yes, and if even most of Kindred were to find out about what has happened, the uproar it would cause within all of the clans, not just towards me, but towards everything the situation has led to, would cause too much political strife.
0: The city can't handle much more of that right now.
6: Yeah. So all of this as much as preserving my own um, dignity as well as regaining a certain level of control for myself and for, for what the masquerade stands for.
0: So the cleaning crew comes in. You have to wait about an hour for them to get here and to bring in all their equipment and everything. But they're very efficient. They tell you to leave and that they're going to take care of it. And they tell you that you can't come back here. Ever. This location is dead to you.
6: I knew that was going to be the case anyway. Just because... There is basically no amount of cleaning that is going to guarantee that whatever major contaminant there was isn't going to possibly maybe be missed. And that's a big deal. So this location, for all intents and purposes, was going to be burned anyway.
0: And it's going to be literally burned at this point. Yeah. So Katarina leaves for the very last time. Maybe you feel some memories here. Long talks with Margarita, your manager, who was among the dead. The employees you worked with, always reliable, always did their jobs. It's going to take you some time, if ever, to get past this. So we will leave Katarina for Season 1, walking away from the building as the smoke begins to rise in the distance. And that is where we will leave this episode. Thank you all for joining us again on this entire season of Blood Moon Rising. We hope you have enjoyed our coterie and their adventures and hope you will join us for Season 2. Thank you and good night.